So we've all heard that old saying that every great movie starts with a script. Some poor son of a bitch sitting in front of a blank page or a lonely glowing computer screen waiting for the magic to come pouring out. How do you write character development? What the hell's a story arc? And what's the theme of the film? And how the hell do you write dialogue? It all sounds very daunting, doesn't it? Well, that's because it is. And for me, writing has always been a thing that I struggle with. Uh, I started writing my stuff out of necessity, and I got to a point where uh, I decided that I needed to work with someone better at screenplay writing than I am, because I knew that I'm like, okay, at it. And everything weighs so heavily on the script. Uh, and then, if you get really good at writing a script, that's only 40% of being a good screenplay writer. The rest of it is like social skills, pitching skills, how to read a room, how to write a script that execs want to read, um, how to write a logline, all this shit that they don't teach you when you pick up one of those screenwriting books. Uh, it's a very difficult and unforgiving job because you spend so much time designing these characters and designing this world, and then you walk into a room with execs or producers or directors that want to change it. And they want to add their own style or add their own experiences and their own story to it. Um, but you needed to go through that whole discovery process, that whole birthing process. You grow these kids, like destroy your darlings, right? That's what they say. Well, you're literally murdering. That's like you walk in this group of children that you've raised and then they go shoot them and you fucking shoot them all. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's intense. It's an intense career path. In a career path that is full of like ups and downs and highs and lows and depressions and excitements. Um, and I highly respect a great screenplay writer. I incredibly respect fantastic screenplays because it's true, man. If you're building a house, you got to lay down a foundation. You got to start putting those struts in and that's the script. That's where we always start when we're figuring things out or if we're improving on set and we go off the rails it's always grab the script where is it in the script um and it you know what i have to apologize to you guys listening because we've done a whole season i've done 50 episodes and i haven't done a show about screenplays about screenwriting and we're into season two bigger and better guests so please take my apology by in the form of some awesome guests today <laughs> on the show. Uh, and I hopefully am going to deliver. So today I'm sitting down with two brothers who have been writing some pretty terrifying stories for years now. They've directed two of their own horror feature films that they've also written. Uh, and they've been able to collaborate with some of the most amazing legends in our genre, Michael and Sean Rasmussen. Uh, I've known these guys for years now. They're also Boston boys. Um, we met, uh, how did we meet? I think we met years ago and I was doing some photography um, and they asked me to shoot some poster work for them. Uh, and then we really got along. Uh, and I've always admired what these guys do. Uh, don't know who they are? Oh, I don't know. Let's go back in time here. Uh, what about John Carpenter's The Ward? The last film that John Carpenter made. These guys wrote it. These guys wrote a script that he wanted to make. They spent time, they spent weeks, months hanging out with him and developing the script. And just to be in the space, 
just to hang out with John Carpenter and to talk about his past in movies, but then to be developing a new idea and watching how a legend processes stuff creatively. Oh, God, I can't wait to talk to them about that on this show. Um, but they also did a very successful movie recently, a movie that surprised me because I saw the trailer for it before I knew that they did it. Uh, a really cool movie called Crawl. So, alligators and hurricanes. Home invasion with alligators and hurricanes. How fucking cool is that? <laughs> and the movie has been killing it. Uh, I think they said it's got like 83% on Rotten Tomatoes right now, which is huge. Uh, there were posters everywhere. There was a huge ad cam- there was a huge ad campaign for it. And I went and saw it in a theater with an audience, and the audience fucking loved it. Uh, and I, the whole time I was sitting there watching this movie, I just couldn't be happier for these dudes um, because they're the nicest guys in the world. Uh, they're very open to sharing their process. Uh, they're very open to sharing their experiences. And so we really get into it in this episode, um, and we really dig deep into how they do screenplay writing, what their process is, how uh, they work as a duo, which is fascinating. Uh, sharing that creative space with somebody else is always interesting. And then we also get into the pitch process and the other percentage of what it's like to be a screenplay writer. Um, so it's a really good episode. And I'm very excited to present it to you guys. And I love the support that I've been getting from you guys for the show. Thank you so much for continuously going and supporting me on uh, Instagram, whether it's at my Patreon Instagram or it's at In Love With The Process uh, pod, that's In Love With The Process P-O-D on Instagram. Uh, there uh, you can go and check out uh, what I'm up to. There are pictures to supplement the show um, and then I'm posting stuff that's really inspiring and that's a great place to send me ideas, to leave me notes, to suggest guests, right? Because I just recently did that, put it out there and I got a lot of really good ideas, and I have been reaching out to each and every one of them to be on the show, because fuck it, right? Why not? Let's do it, right? So this is a heavy week for me. I've already recorded mm, three episodes, four episodes this week, uh, and all next week is booked out. So stay tuned, because I think I'm going to be able to follow through with the episode a week thing for a while. So plenty of new stuff. And if you love the show, you got to do some shit for me, guys, because I'm doing all this shit for free for you. So do me a favor. Tell your friends about it. Post it. Take any of the graphics that I put anywhere. If you find the graphics on inlovewiththeprocess.com or if you find the graphics on our Instagram things, grab them. Repost them. If you like an episode, tell me about it. Repost about it. Tag me in those posts. Because the more people that we get to see the show, the more eyes I get on the show, the better I can do with the sponsors and I can try to get it so that I can start videotaping the show and putting it on YouTube. And that'll be more interesting for you because then you can see the fucking delicious sandwiches that we're eating. (laughs) That is the goal. That is my hope. Um, So please continue to support the show. Um, Let's see, what else do I want to plug We'll do some stuff at the end of the show, and I've got some new sponsors, so I'm really excited about all that, but let's not get into that yet. Let's just get right into the interview. So you guys, you know the deal. It's October. It's the best time of year. It's the best time of year for movies. I'm a little behind. I haven't been watching my horror films because of the move and everything, but I'm going to start this weekend, start a little thing going, 
So find that really scary place in your house. Hopefully you're listening to this at night. I'm recording this at night. But maybe you're not. Maybe you're on the bus headed to work and you hate your fucking life. (laughs) Close your eyes and imagine that you are sitting in a scary place. Throw on those noise-canceling headphones. Sit back and relax and enjoy the brand new episode, season two of In Love With The Process. So, hey guys, thanks for joining me on the show. Hey, happy to do it. Yeah, hey Mike. So, just so the audience knows the voices, uh, introduce yourselves, guys. Yeah, so this is Michael Rasmussen. And this is Sean. Cool. The two the two evil brothers. The, the, the bros. The, the cynical <laughs> siblings. <laughs> <laughs> the cynical siblings. Sinister. So oh, sinister. <laughs> That's pretty cool. We, we'll yeah. go either one. A little bit we'll of both. Either one. <laughs> I was going to say, I got to get t-shirts made, man. <laughs> well, I'm really happy to have you guys on the show. I mean, we've known each other for a few years now, but... Um, Forever. Fun- yeah. Forever. Like, it's been a long time. It's been a long time, man. And then uh, you guys are super busy, and I'm, I'm uh, very thankful that you're able to sit down and and talk on my little piece of shit show. So it's great. Thanks, fellas. <laughs> Happy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you guys are actually, I think technically, you guys are the first writers that I'm having on the show. This is, like, I think, the first episode really about writing and, and all that stuff. So thanks oh, for doing cool. it. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I sent you a text yesterday. I was hanging out on, uh, I was taking some meetings on Paramount. And uh, walking by the cafe that they had there, and I think I sent you that picture. They had a crawl thing right. up there, which was super cool. It was like kind of nerdy. That's why I had to text you immediately. I'm like, dude, your shit's here. Well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. I saw that. And I was. I just showed it to Sean, and uh, yeah, it cracked me up. That's <laughs> was that outside the the cafe, or where was that? It looked like it was like a cafe. Like, yeah, it was like right outside the cafe. It looks like someone hand drew it, like like an alligator. Yeah, um, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. Like I turned the corner and I was like, oh, fuck, that's cool, man. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, enough of that fanboy ship. Let's hey, talk. We're, no, still, we're, still, we're still fanboys we're still of ourselves on that stuff. Go down and we see those little, um, the, uh, oh, what was it? Those like, uh, they had those little, like, is, what is it? Oh, um, where they placard the ones on the sides of the building, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. And, so there were a couple of those down in Boston that were like, we go by every time. We're like, oh, man, look, it's Crawl. Oh, I thought you were going to say like on the Paramount lot, like Michael Bay Avenue. No, no, no. I'm talking, like about, I'm, talking about the, I'm talking about the Crawl the, the yeah. crawl post, little crawl posters that they um, glued to the abandoned buildings here yeah, in Boston. Yeah, I don't know how they did that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's super cool, man. They did a huge advertising campaign for that movie. And um, I was just... 
completely surprised by it because it's been so long since they've really done sort of like a, uh, I want to say like an animal horror, like disaster movie. It just didn't seem like something that would be promoted as heavily as it was, especially this year with like movies like Get Out and all that kind of stuff that was successful. And then I was like, wow, they're really fucking all over this alligator movie. And then it occurred to me that it was you guys. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, we, were pretty, we were pretty excited that they put such a such an effort behind it because we were wondering too. You know, you never know. You're doing, you're, when you're, when you're putting this thing together, this little alligator movie, we didn't think it would be like a summer release. We didn't think it would, you know, be, you know, sort of this little sleeper hit that it was. And then it, like, Sean's always happy to point out that it's like, what was it, 80? To, it's like about a like hundred million certified dollars. fresh. No, I was oh, talking about yeah, eighty-two percent certified fresh. Wild tomatoes. It's like uh, certified fresh, which I'm Mike. Wondering. I bet you anything that that is the highest-rated alligator movie on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't I'm know. guessing. Blake Placid. I don't know. Eighty-two percent is pretty high for an alligator. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were, we were <laughs> so we were floored by all those. Just as those happen like one thing after another. So we just been very excited about how it's been rolled out. Yeah, and we've been enjoying it too. I think sometimes when you're in the middle of of things, you lose perspective. We have not lost perspective on this one at all. It's been something kind of beyond our expectations, and we've been yeah. enjoying every little geeky part of it. So right. we've been ge- geeking out. Uh, yeah. And now it's rolling out on uh, Blu-ray and DVD, and so we're geeking out again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, God damn it, you should be. I mean, it's old school monster movie release stuff, man. And they were putting it out that way where it's like, man, fuck, I didn't think they were doing this anymore. This is great, you know? Yeah. And the fact that it was so successful and the fact that you do have that Rotten Tomato score, uh, it's it's awesome, man. And, and, you know, hopefully films like yours will sort of keep that sort of big budget kind of vibe, like monster movie thing alive. In, in a time period where everybody's like, this needs to be contained and this needs to happen yeah. in a house. Uh, and you guys were like, yeah, it happens in a house, but it also happens with a hurricane and there are alligators and then the water's <laughs> going to rise. <laughs> Let's hope this is the start of a huge wave of alligator movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, so... Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, let's get into some history for some of the listeners who may not be familiar with your work. Um, how did you guys get started? How did you guys get started as writers? Um, well, uh, I went to school for film, and Sean uh, studied did not <laughs> did not <laughs> he studied <laughs> he was an engineer and mathematics major. But when uh, we moved up here to New England, Boston, mm-hmm. I'm in Boston right now, and. Um, both were working corporate jobs. Sean was working at a tech company and I was working at publishing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just, you know, we needed something like some sort of creative outlet. So we decided that we were going to sit down. We kind of came together, sort of decided we would write something that we could shoot here in Boston, like a small, really contained three character sort of, you know, indie film. Mm-hmm. Sat down, wrote that. Um, uh, it ran, we put it through this uh, screenwriting group here in, in uh, Boston, Harvard Square Screenwriters. The g- leader of that group uh, handed it off to a guy who wanted to produce his first film, this tech, this guy that was like a, a pharma rep in <laughs> Cooper. And pharma he, CEO. Yeah, pharmaceutical CEO. And yeah. so he wanted, to, <laughs> he wanted to get into filmmaking, kind of sort of the same thing as us. He was like, working in cor- the corporate world, wanted to kind of do something more creative. So he put a 
he put all of his money, a lot of money behind it. They shot it here in Boston. That was our first. Uh, so our first writing, our first writing credit was our first script together. That was long distance. Yeah, and it came together like in five or six months from yeah. the time that we wrote it to the time that it was shooting in our backyard. It was like five months. It was crazy. It yeah. definitely wow. spoiled us uh, for what turned out. To, I mean, it's a tough business. Writing yep. is a tough business. Yeah. Filmmaking is a tough business, but uh, we were very fortunate uh, with our first, our first crack at uh, screenwriting for sure. Well, talk about lightning in a bottle at that point. You guys are incredibly fortunate. That's awesome. I didn't realize it was that quick with you guys. No, it was pretty fast. Yeah, it was really qu- quick. And and you were in Boston at that time, Mike. I mean, they mm-hmm. there wasn't much shooting here in Boston. So what was really cool was a lot of the local um, people that were working in movies in New York got a chance to come home and mm. shoot be in Boston for the first time in a yeah. long time. And it kind of was at the start of kind of that resurgence of filmmaking uh, in Boston. That's we've been yeah. on a roll uh, pretty much. Ever you know, since. it's funny. A lot of the people that were on that crew are now like the big doing a lot of the big Boston productions now. So it's always <laughs> fun to see, you know, um, I think of some of the names. Charlie Harrington is the well, it was our yeah it was our location location guy, guy uh, and um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cronin was our uh, script supervisor. script supervisor. Now she's directing episodes of uh, the uh, Orville. Yeah, Orville. Yeah. So it's Yeah, it's crazy how how much the that city has flourished as far as that the industry goes, and I think a lot of it has to do with the tax incentive, and then. You know, the fact that the big movies were coming in town and sort of allowing the crew people to flourish and allowing the resources to flourish. Um, it's a great place to make movies, man. I, I, I love making films yeah. back at home. It's, it, it's you come back. You should come back and make movies. Yeah, come, like, come on back. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, I'm not saying I won't. I'm not saying I won't come back there to shoot because shooting out here is so fucking expensive. Um, it is. It is. Yeah, dude. So, you know, I, I still love the city. I mean, the only reason I ended up moving out here ultimately is because, you know, if it's tough to hobnob and get your shit going as a director, unless you're hanging out where there are actors and you're hanging out where the money people are. And literally they, it hits a point where it's like a Wednesday, you get a call for Thursday and they're like, let's go have beers. And you're like, Oh, do I get on a fucking airplane? Like, how do I make this work? You know? So, I mean, it was, it was a logical step, but I fucking love making movies in that city. It's, it's one of my favorite places to do it. So, yeah. yeah. And being out in LA is really important. I do think there's so many opportunities being out there and, uh, being, like you said, being able to take a meeting and yeah. meet yeah. people. Uh, there's so much going on, uh, in LA, but at the same time, I think we're an example maybe of how you don't always have to be out there, but yeah. Uh, but it does help, I think, for sure. So let's get back into you guys. Um, yeah. So you guys are writing together. How, like, it's I know how difficult it can be, like partnering up with somebody else and and making sure that your visions are there. Like, what is the process for the two of you? Do you guys like split duties, or like how how does that work? Yeah, I mean, it helps that we're brothers. That makes it a little easier than they're just you know in terms of uh, having a singular singular vision. I think yeah. it helps. Um, and it also but, helps that at the end of the day, regardless of how big of an argument you have, uh, yeah. which doesn't, by the way, we don't really argue no. that often. Uh, but if you do, 
you know, you're still brothers at the end of the day. You yeah. drink a beer and you're like, oh, <laughs> that's pretty stupid. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you're right. I think being brothers is really is really helpful. Yeah. But I mean, we also play to each other's strengths. Like Sean, Sean's better with, um, I know Sean's better with dialogue and with character stuff. And Sean knows I'm better with like plotting and structure and action. You write action, action so scenes. Well. Yeah, and yeah. so when we're breaking down a script, I mean, first of all, we come together and, and kind of create a treatment uh, before mm-hmm. we start to write the script. And that's done together. Um, and we end up kind of beating out like a, 20 page treatment. And then when we have that, then we go to script. I sort of kind of create the framework and then we start to kind of hand, like I'm Sean, I need some dialogue here. We need some character work here and then sort of kind of divide sort of the, divide the script up in that, that way, that way. Yeah. I think we, you know, and, and that has changed. I think when we wrote our first script, we weren't really all about outlining, but, or beating out um, the movie, but, at this point, if we can't if we can't see the movie in a beat sheet, mm. like if we can't actually see everything that's going to happen, then we know we don't have a movie, and we don't yeah. we don't sit down and write the script until we can see that movie. Because right. as you know, it takes a lot of work to actually flesh out an entire script, and yeah, dude, you have really. you have everything you need to do that. It took it took me a long time to even think about um, that process to because you know when you first start writing and you're young and you're and you're doing it it's like I'm just gonna sit down and you're staring at a blank canvas it's like I'll just write out the whole movie but uh, I found early on that being able to outline and sort of beat sheet it out like you guys say you, you kind of figure out whether or not the movie's good or not <laughs> like you go through right. this whole process right. of yeah. Of being like, okay, these this is exciting, and there's some exciting sequences here, and here's a pretty cool tone that we want to run with, and and here's a character arc that I think is interesting, and um and the more the higher up in the chain that I've been getting uh, professionally, and now that I'm out here, you know, doing pitches and stuff, it, it comes down to fucking like a couple sentences, you know what I mean? When you're in a room and it's like, here's what we're thinking: this, this equals this, and that equals that. Yeah, and, and if that person sits there and goes, "Ooh," then you're like, "Okay, this is a good idea." <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> then you can add to it, but you've got to hook them in those first two sentences, and if you can sort of read the room. If it's not working, then you're like, pull out the other the other pitches you've got. <laughs> <laughs> and you have, and you have a you have a lot of them. You have to these days. It's like you got to have a lot of eggs in, in the basket, yeah, man. Certainly. To see. Um, so that's fascinating that you guys, so do you guys turn scripts around pretty quick being the two of you or how long does it usually take you to put together like a, like a feature length? It depends. I mean, once the treatments together, it can take like probably six weeks once we get that treatment sort of ironed out. Um, Mm -hmm. crawl came together really fast because, um, when we, when I pitched, when I first pitched the idea to Sean, Sean's like, I can't believe it hasn't been made. We need (laughs) we need to do something. We need to do it fast. So we felt we were worried that somebody else would write it if we didn't. So <laughs> that one, I think came together in a month Yeah, from was, treatment. That's yeah. before that was just as when I gave Sean like a log line and then we went from there. Right. Which was Florida <laughs> alligators, <laughs> hurricane. Yeah. Just those three things. It's like, God. it's like, Holy <laughs> shit. It's not been done. We gotta, yeah. we gotta do this. You know what I found interesting and you know what I thought was genius about the movie when I was watching in the theater was that there hits a point when you're in a house where 
uh, as an audience member, you're just like, just go upstairs, just go upstairs, and the alligators won't be able to come upstairs. Or they won't be able to get there. And then you guys have it written that that water levels rise, so there's absolutely no escaping these things. I thought yeah. that was genius. <laughs> yeah, it, we, we love the point that you you think they're out of the house. Just when you think they're out, they're thrown back in, and then <laughs> and then it just, and then never, it just keeps right. It just keeps stops. rising. Yeah, just once that's. Once that happens, it's off the race. It's off to the races, and yeah, it's a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, and we oh. say more, but we don't want to. Yeah, in case people haven't seen spoiler, it, we don't want to spoil yeah. it. But yeah, it's like yeah, uh, it just is a. It's, it's funny because Alex has pointed out, and I think we didn't realize it at first, but it really is kind of a home invasion film. That's what it is, but with alligators. <laughs> and a- Alex being the director, right? Oh yeah, right. Alex Haja. Yeah, 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 uh, and he's a great director. He's been around for a while. He's been around for a long while. It's awesome that you yeah. guys got to work with him, man. No. Yeah, totally. And and by the way, when we started, um, when we started out, his film High Tension was a huge yeah, that was inspiration a huge for us. Influence, on us. Like, yeah. Like, I love that movie. I love that movie. It's really amazing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he's an amazing filmmaker, and he's always had that sort of gritty. Because when did he start? He started kind of in the mid two thousands, right? Wasn't that his thing? Like he came out around then. I feel like it was. Yeah, I feel like it was. It's funny because I feel like right as we moved out to LA, there were two trailers that I saw that just blew me away: High Tension mm-hmm. and Saw. Yeah, mm-hmm. the two that I saw, and I was like, these are like the future of of horror. And then those movies just kind of blew up, and those those you know James Wan and Alex both kind of became huge talents. Um, but yeah, it was like 2004, 2005. Yeah. yeah I, I actually want to check out, uh, IMDB, but I think it was around 2005, which is when, when our first movie came out. Cause, uh, yeah. it was, it, both those films feel very relevant to us mm-hmm. actually yeah. when we first, so after uh long distance got made, we were like, Hey, this is a great opportunity to, you know, like get, uh, representation, move out to Los Angeles. And when mm-hmm. we were, when we were out in Los Angeles, maybe that first month we did go to like, a, um, a, a screening of an unknown movie yeah, that, was, that was, that was, that was, saw. was saw and it had uh, James Wan <laughs> and Lee Whannell was, yep, they we were, were both there. there and they were young kids. This was their first film and yeah. they were very humble in the Q and a and, yeah, that was cool. It's That's the fun amazing. thing about yeah. that is the fun thing about being in, L- in LA is you, as you no doubt know, Michael, Mike, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you go to it's the cool. theater. Uh, it, it, you never know who's going to be doing, you're going to be there and just do a Q and A just, you know, cause it's just all the filmmakers are in town. So they could, they could just drop by the theater and say, Hey, I want to do a Q and A. And um, I don't know if I, you found that to be true, but it's like, we were, we were going to, we were seeing so many, uh, films with the filmmakers present. Um, yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah, I've I've been to one already. Uh, went to the new Nicolas Cage one that's coming out. That's the Color from Out of Space, I think is what it's called, which is the oh. HP, HP Lovecraft. Oh, nice. That was that was that was cool. What's he? He wasn't there, but the uh, what? What's his name? The director who did it. Um, oh, I'm gonna forget his name. He hasn't directed in like 15 years, and he was the original director on The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, that's Richard Stanley. Yeah, yeah Richard Stanley. He was there. Yeah. He's an that's interesting awesome. cat. Yeah. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes. He's an interesting character. He's very interesting. 
No, it's uh, funny. We were actually, we saw, he was at Fantasia. Um, how many years ago was that? That was like maybe five, five years ago. Yeah. We were up there with the project and this was like a market. Mm-hmm. We were up there with the project. He was up there with that project five years ago um, yeah. at uh, HP Lovecraft movie. And now it's finally. Yeah. Or maybe even a little bit longer. longer than that. But he's a, Talk about just a genuinely nice. Yeah, he's the coolest guy. Nice, Our tables are right next to each other, so we got to, we got to talk to him a lot. And he's just a cool guy. Yeah, he seems like it. He was like very quiet, very reserved. And the movie's really great. Uh, SpectreVision put it out, so they let him kind of go off the rails, which was kind of great <laughs> to watch. And and you know, Nicolas Cage. I'm not going to ruin the movie, but if you guys like Mandy, Nicolas Cage continues his yeah. uh, awesome. his his acting. <laughs> it's like Mandy that was, too. My Mandy was that was a trip. That was a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Nicholas Cage. I love Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I love I mean, how else can you be who else can make being in tidy whiteys cool in the no, right? I know. I know. No. And he just kills it. Oh my god. I think that's gonna be my Halloween costume this year. I have to get that tiger shirt and I'm just gonna wear tidy whiteys around the house. Oh no. That's it, man. <laughs> um so back to your story. So you briefly talked about how uh you made that movie and then you came out here to Los Angeles to get representation. What was that process like for you guys? Like how did you find your reps? Yeah, so um so again, like Michael said, I, I kind of had a bit of a business background. So I, in the back of my mind, I knew the fact that, you know, we just had a movie that was shot. And at the time it was, you know, in the movie was the lead actress that was in, uh, you know, Jason versus Freddie, an actress named Monica Kina that was kind of a hot actress at the time. In mm-hmm. terms of like, you know, like, you know, like, in industry terms, she yeah, had she heat on her as like being a up and coming actress. Uh, and so I thought that was a good opportunity to reach out to, I just cold called the agents yeah. uh, and said, Hey, we have this movie that uh, was just shot in Boston. And uh, you know, we have a few other scripts that we've written and we're thinking of coming out to LA and would you be interested in talking to us and reading uh, our scripts and, they did, and yeah. when yeah, we had we had an agent before we went out there. Yeah, it was wow. it was pretty wow. quick, uh, and I think a lot of that had to do with people. You know, they wanted to kind of catch us just in case this movie uh, did really really well, and yeah, they in case it blew up in, in case it blew up, and yeah. and I think they liked uh, our other script at the time. They were like, hey, that could be something that could go out wide, and so we were very fortunate and got an agent right off the bat. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah, that's really cool. And I mean, you know, it's, I guess it comes down to doing great work. I mean, I, it's how I got mine. I didn't, I didn't ever think I was just going to get mine, but it, it really just came down to doing good work and being able to show that you can do good work. And these people are out there looking to make money off of someone that could do good work. <laughs> it's true. And by the way, I think that's a really great point. It's like, if you do something that is of high quality, then... You're gonna get. It's gonna get gonna found. Get, you're gonna, it's gonna get found, yeah. and you're gonna get signed. Um, yeah, and then and then that. I mean, and then I also have to make it clear to people that are listening. 
and then you get signed and then and then all your dreams come true. No, no, no. <laughs> right. right. No. So well, that's that's the next part of our story, right? <laughs> so we got an agent and then what happened? Well, for two years, nothing. <laughs> you have these meetings where everybody gets excited and then they don't call you back for three weeks. Yeah, it's one of those. Right. Yeah. Well, if they give you a call back in three weeks, that's pretty good. Mike. Well, don't that's call just- you back. That's, that's just, that's just because I, I, I promised to make the barbecue. So they're just like, when are we going to eat? <laughs> that's why I get the calls back. Uh, but uh, all right. So then you guys make this film. And then what's the next film? What's the next film that you guys end up writing? The next the next one we end up writing or the one that gets made. I mean, we wrote it. So while we were out there, for we were out there for two years after we moved out there with mm-hmm. our agent. Um, we wrote, I think we wrote two or three specs while we're out there. Yep. Um, but none of them ever, none of them really connected. And, you know, some of them went out, uh, sort of did like, they did like a kind of a soft, kind of a soft push for them and, Mm -hmm. uh, nothing, nothing really happened. So that was when we, uh, we decided we were going to write some, because originally the whole idea was to write something we could make with long distance. And, and that one, we were lucky that it got picked up by, um, this guy, Glenn Cooper, and he ended up making it. Um, but we wanted to come back. We decided we were going to come back here. Make We are going to write something we are going to make back here in Boston. We knew there were plenty of uh, abandoned asylums back here. Mm-hmm. Um, Session 9 was a big, you know, big something we were big fans of. So we were like, let's go back to Boston. Let's write something with, again, like really contained with like maybe five or six characters this time. Um, and that was the ward. We, was, at the time, it was called Ward 19. So we came back here hoping to make that here in Boston and our agent at the time, which was, we'd already switched to a new agent. Um, he was like, well, let me just, let me, let me pass it around the town. Let me take, let me take one more pass at it and see if I can get it out and see if somebody might get interested in it. Mm-hmm. And he managed to get it to the, um, the management company that rep John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And so that ended up becoming John's next project, something he'd, hadn't done anything for 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, which is huge, by the way, that's a big, that's a big thing. I mean, we're talking, and and I like how we've just sort of revealed this, but you guys wrote John Carpenter's last movie. That's huge. That's really huge. Well, and and by the way, like the thing that's so funny about it is, um, there were other people interested in, in the script at that time. Um, and we were like, Hey, we, we want to sell it to Echo Lake cause we just want to spend time with John Carpenter. We had no expectation <laughs> yeah, that really, he was going to make a movie. We were just yeah. like, how cool would it be to, to get a chance to yeah. talk to John Carpenter? Yeah. So just, like, just hang out. Yeah. Just hang yeah, out with him. Like, yeah. Hey, we'll go with Echo Lake just yeah. cause, uh, you know, we knew they were buying it for John yeah. and that's what really excited us about, about doing that. But it is funny. We had to come back. We came back to Boston, and that's when, that's when we sold the script. So it is. We were out there for two years, and nothing was happening. Came back to Boston, and that's when, um, that's when we had our next sell. Um, but but even even there, I mean, um, after the script was, I mean, it wasn't bought; it was optioned or whatever. But um, but we developed it with John for what, two and a half yeah, years before, two and a half years, yeah. before it actually, yeah, before it got the green light and before 
uh, it got made. So it was a yeah. bit of a journey. Sure. What now? What was that? So you guys write a script, right? And he yep. and he gets his hands on it. He reads it. He's like, "I really like this, uh, but I have some ideas." Is that the deal? Yep. And then you guys sort of sit down and you hash out uh, these ideas together, and then draft up a whole new script, right? Yep, that's exactly what happened. He had, well, actually, Michael, if you don't mind, I'll. That is an exact. <laughs> that isn't exactly what happened. <laughs> okay, what cool. Happened, what happened was that uh, Echolate uh, optioned the script for John, and the first call that. You know, but they hadn't sent it to John yet. They just thought it was something that would be really good for him. Mm -hmm. um, and so they sent the script to John to read. And we all got on a phone call together. And John was like, hey, guys, I read the script. I really think it's amazing. You guys are great writers. I really love it. Uh, but this just isn't a project for me. And so that was actually our first conversation was him yeah. saying he read the script and he loved it, yeah. but he just didn't think it was uh, the right project for him. So it, at that time, at then, that time, and then, then he I, came think, yeah, I think I think he came around to it. The more he thought about it afterwards, he's like, you know what? I, I think this could be really good. But he had, of course, some changes. I mean, our, our, our draft took place in present day and it had a lot of, you know, modern day technology in it. And he wanted to strip all that out. He had a, he came to our like uh, development meetings with like these stacks of research. Like, you know, he's like, you can't, you guys know, you can't hold somebody against their will. Um, <laughs> in a, you know, legally you can't do it. it. Only that there was like a decision in 1970, whatever. So we need to set this before 1972 or whenever this decision was. And so that was how we ended up making it sort of this period piece. Oh, fascinating. Got rid of all the security camera tricks and everything that we were using in the, the original spec because there were no security cameras you could have in 1960s or mm -hmm. 90s. So then we had to kind of come up with a whole different, you know, some different um, set pieces. So it was it was a fun challenge. Um, and it was it was also really cool because when, when he did come back around to it, we were able to go uh, out to L.A. and – yeah, got to uh, hang out with and him. And got to hang out with John <laughs> and go through the script page by page. He yeah. really did have a lot of notes. Uh, and he was really uh, just a, a pleasure to work with. He's yeah. such a great guy. Very down to earth. Very down to earth. And, you know, one thing that he did, which was really kind of eye-opening to us as writers, is he went through each scene with us. Mm -hmm. And he would ask us, you know, like, hey, hey guys, how do you think, I would shoot something <laughs> like this. I, I think his version was like, "How the hell am I going to?" Yeah. He's like, "How the hell am I going to shoot this scene?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How am I you've got you've got a character in a dumb waiter, yeah, uh, in pitch black. <laughs> How the hell am I going to shoot that? So I really, you know, made her sort of rethink how we write because now we, when we write, we're always thinking, "Well, is it filmable?" Right? I mean, it's right. you don't sometimes when you're screenwriting, you're like. Oh, cool! There could be an explosion here. This can happen, or something. But now, it, I mean, when John did that, it kind of opened our eyes to how a director views the script and how you kind of have to be thinking about how a director is reading the script. And, <laughs> what yeah. a pol what a polite way of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all yes, though. But he's like, "Hey guys, how the hell am I going to shoot this with a? How am I going to get a camera and a dumbwaiter with one actress and?" <laughs> um, no light and stuff so yeah it's that's fantastic i mean i'd kill for that man i mean just being in that space and having that experience and 
just those years and years and years of time that that guy's had, uh, you know, behind yeah. the camera and in the Hollywood system. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's and I mean, we grew up on his films. I'm sure you did too. I mean, oh my god, all, dude! I get my top five probably. I think two or three of them are his films. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Top yeah. ten. It's yeah. an experience that we'll never forget. Yeah, that's sure. a cool. One. Yeah, uh, and and it was also really cool. I think we had this experience not only with John but with Alex. Is what's neat is that both of those guys are um, are also writers, so they were able to. Uh, talk with us and work with us coming from the writer's perspective as well, which, yeah, which was really great. And, and by the way, we've worked with directors that don't write and that's interesting as well, but with those two in particular, um, it was interesting to work with them because they, you know, like John, John wrote a lot of his stuff that that shot and yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're both really collaborative. Really, down, it's amazing. They're both really collaborative, down to earth, and uh, gave good notes. Yeah, it <laughs> it's super cool, man. I'm, yeah. I'm, I think that's really fucking rad. It's hard to do it, but I got to. It's right about now is the time that I got to take a break and uh, give some mad love and props to the people that make this show possible. Um, so stick with me and don't fucking fast forward to this section because I might give you some tips and shit that you've always wanted to know. So stick with it. All right. First up, my the, the guys that have been with me since the beginning, uh, the boys that make magic. When it comes to computers, the guys over at Puget Systems, if you are an independent filmmaker, if you're a photographer, if you're um, uh, a composer, if you're a gamer, and you're uh, using your machine and it's lagging, like your editing sucks, you need to upgrade, um, and you don't want to spend a fucking fortune doing it, right? You want to get a system that's fast, you want to get a system that's reliable, you don't want a system that's going to slow you down. And you want to still have money to go get beers when you're done, right? Check out PugetSystems.com. On Puget Systems, you can actually choose a custom-built PC. That's right, I said a PC. Gone are the days where you have to own an Apple or a Mac to be a pro anymore, right? Because we're all editing on Adobe. We're all using Premiere. Premiere works on both systems, right? And uh, what about the ProRes thing? Oh, yeah, my shit's got to be delivering ProRes and only Macs can do ProRes. Oh, that's gone too. You can do ProRes on PCs now. It's a big thing. Um, so why spend more money for the unboxing experience, right? Let's take that extra cash and put it towards hardware that works for what you need. And what they do at PugetSystems.com is you can choose your system based upon the software that you are going to use or that you do use. So let's say you wanted to build an After Effects machine. You can actually select After Effects on their website and they will give you a baseline package which you can then customize to make it work perfectly for you. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you can build a machine that kind of does everything to a good extent. But if you're going to build a mean After Effects machine, we did a whole video with these guys on that. You should spec out the hardware specifically for After Effects because they all have weird little things that they need to work perfectly. And it's not always the newest graphics card in the market that works. The thing that Puget does really well is that they 
benchmark test and beta test all this new stuff and they run it through all these different programs and they figure out what works best. So like if you're a guy that wants to build your own PC, that's always been a pain in the ass for me because when I was younger I did. I built PCs for gaming and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then you are like, I think this graphics card is going to work with this motherboard. You really just don't know until you get it and you start putting it together. And then there's nothing worse than like a part that doesn't work or fuck, I don't know why this RAM isn't registering. Oh my God. The thing that they do really well at Puget is that they do all that testing for you. So if you get a Puget system, if you actually get a PC from these guys, you can literally take it out of the box, plug it in and start editing. Boom. But if you're someone that's building your own PCs, these guys post all their stuff for free on their website. They really believe heavily in helping creatives. They really believe in building great computers. And so they, they put all this knowledge out there. So go to PugetSystems.com, check them out. I edit everything I do on Puget Systems computers. Um, everything you've seen that I've done has been on a PC. Blows your fucking mind, right? Um, I love it, dude. It's like my super sweet, fast running, upgradable uh, hot rod. Uh, so if you're looking for something new, if you want a new computer, I would highly suggest you go check out PugetSystems.com. Uh, also, as always, I'm here to plug my my boys over at Rule, Rule Broadcast Camera, uh, Rule Boston Camera, rather. Uh, go to Rule.com. Uh, if you are an independent filmmaker, if you're a photographer and you're finding it incredibly frustrating to keep up with all the newest and latest gear... I mean, every year they release a new fucking camera that costs a fortune. And then when you go through the process of buying it, you then have to charge your, your clients for it. And how many times as a shooter do you get asked by the clients to just throw the camera in for free, right? It happens all the time. Whether or not you get the job depends on whether or not you're going to do that. So how do you pay off this gear? And then how do you convince them to use this gear all the time on all the shoots that you do? Because they're reading the trade magazines as well. These producers and directors and other, other people that you're going to work with are also up on the new technology and everybody wants to shoot with the latest and greatest piece of equipment that's going to make their movie amazing. It's a whole longer conversation to have. I highly suggest you skip it all. You make a great relationship with your local rental house. If you have a good relationship with a camera rental house, uh, they're going to have all that new stuff. They will teach you how to use it. That's what I love about Rule. Rule Boston Camera will teach you how to use this gear. They run training seminars. You can get your hands on the equipment that was used to make that movie that you fucking love to watch on, on the big screen. Or that Netflix show that everybody's watching on their fucking phones right now. Um, check them out. If you're on the East Coast, if you're above New York City, Rule Boston Camera is the best there is. Those guys love independent filmmakers. They love forming relationships. It's super easy to set up an account with them. Um, and there are rental places that you can get stuff online and they have their strengths and weaknesses, but there's nothing better than having a local spot in the area that you're shooting. So if the gear goes down, Rule will just send out a replacement. They'll literally send out a tech with a replacement. So you can turn to your producer and say, I guarantee you we're going to have gear that works today, tomorrow, and the next day. Um, so I love those guys. I'm not in Boston at this point, but uh, I'm always going to show the love for them because they are great for the show um, and they've supported my career. I longest running professional relationship with those cats. I've been working with those guys for just about 17 years. So awesome. Rule Boston camera. Check them out. Also, uh, returning to be a sponsor for more episodes are our buddies over at Quasar Science. 
Uh, Quasar makes amazing LED lights. And if you are a gaffer or if you're any, any sort of lighting technician that listens to the show, you've used Quasar, you know that they show up on set. Uh, and speaking of the advancements in technology that we've seen over the past few years, the most stunning shit that I get to play with are lights. Uh, and this LED technology uh, has been huge for shows creatively, huge for the looks of shows. Like, if you're noticing how incredibly colorful a lot of programs are these days, and just that crisp quality of light that you're getting, uh, it's all LED shit, man. It's really cool. And LED lights run cooler. And I don't mean color temp, because you can program in to be whatever color temp you want, depending on the light. You get like a rainbow LED, one of uh, Quasar's rainbow lights or rainbow tubes. Um, you can dial in any color of the rainbow, but they're cooler temperature wise as far as like heat is concerned. So your sets run cooler. I don't know how many of you uh, remember the days of using tungsten sources where you have, you know, a couple 1Ks, you know, some big boys in there, or maxi group, maybe if you're doing a music video, it feels like you're in a fucking sauna because it gets so hot in there. Uh, with LEDs, you don't have to worry about that. And if you're a young uh, producer, if you're a young field shooter, um, you want to make sure that you get a kit that's versatile. You want to make sure that you get a kit that gives you soft light, that can change color temps, a kit that doesn't draw a lot of power. And for those of you who aren't real tech savvy, that's something that you have to deal with as a gaffer and it's something you have to think about as a DP is how much power does it take to run the lights to get the image that I want. And with LEDs, a lot of them run on batteries. They barely pull any power. It's amazing, this tech. It's been a huge advancement in our field. That's an advancement that no one really talks about because it's not as sexy as like the new fucking red K, HK, 20K, whatever the fuck it is. So much cooler is the shit that's going on with lighting. Um, and uh, Quasar Science makes some of the best stuff. And I actually got to go visit the guys because I'm now out here in California and I got to go hang out with them uh, yesterday, actually. I got to see their warehouse. Um, and they really are a great shop. They're like a, like a mom and pop shop. Um, really involved with the lights, really involved with the repair. They're there for everything. If you have a problem with the lights, you can call them up. Um, really awesome dudes. Uh, very affordable units. So I highly suggest you check them out. Go to quasarscience.com. All right. Now, I'm excited to say I have a new sponsor on the show. And they sent me copy to read. So watch me uh, flail through reading this copy. <laughs> All right. It sucks to get bogged down in the editing process while you try to track down a soundtrack for your film. I personally have been there. And so has the team at Musicbed. In fact, the entire reason why they built their platform, they've made it easier than ever for you to find the song that you've been looking for. With intuitive, easy to use, browse and search, amazing indie artists and bands and incredible composers like Ryan Tybert and Chad Larson. Wow, really walked my way through that one. Really cool. <laughs> Uh, the roster is growing every day with tens of thousands of songs ranging from cinematic and electronic to indie rock and hip hop. And with either single song licenses or subscriptions uh, that give you unlimited downloads, there's something from every type of filmmaker. Uh, to create your free account and to learn more, go to musicbed.com. Plus, as an in love with the process listener, here we go, some specials. Uh, they're giving you a one month subscription for free. 
or 20% off a single song license. Just enter the code the process uh, when you check out. So that's the process, all one word when you check out. Um, and uh, check them out. I'm really excited about these guys as a sponsor. Uh, I like Music Bed, and dude, I'm I'm just gonna improv through this. I'm gonna give you guys a longer read because I did a terrible job reading that. It sucks when you're trying to edit something, whether it's for a commercial or whether it's for yourself, uh, and you need to have music, and you need to have music down to pace. And what a lot of folks do, and I've done this in the past myself, is I go look for existing scores and existing soundtracks to lay down um, because most of the time stock stuff just just sucks let's be honest about it um, and so having a great place like music bed that creates really good material that you can start cutting with is important um, and it's really awesome that they're going to give you guys a fucking uh, free subscription you know that's really great so like i said uh, just uh, go and enter the promo code the process um, and um, I'll throw a link below for it, but that's Musicbed. And what is their what is their URL? I'll put it below. And on the next episode, I'll give you guys a better read on this after I've gone through it once or twice. But this is my first sponsor that I'm actually reading script on, so bear with me, everybody. So yeah, those are the reads for the show. Um, I also want to continue to plug the fact that... Uh, if you want to support us, follow me on Instagram at MyPetchy or the, the podcast at in uh, love with the process pod. That's in love with the process POD. Um, you can also go to in love with the process.com. I'm actually going to be putting together a new website over the next week or so. It's going to have all links to the sponsors on there. It'll have uh, links to all the episodes. Great place to subscribe through all the different channels. It'll have everything and some extras up there as well. So that's in love with the process.com. All right, enough of all the reads. Let's get back to it. More with Sean and Michael. That's the really cool thing about uh, this business is that collaboration is being able to be in that space and then also being able to check your ego and, uh, you know, get in with someone that's going to make the film better, uh, you know, in, in some ways. And and I think being a writer has got to be really difficult for that reason, because I always say this to Will, who's writing my stuff all the time, it's it's like Jesus Christ, man! You've done so much fucking work, and you've you've gone through so much detail. And then we go sit in a room, and some exec is like, "Well, I think you need to do little," and they give you all these fucking notes. And then literally, literally, all that time spent on that spec, it's gone. And now you're back at square one, and you're you're starting all over again. And then uh, when the movie starts filming, then it you know potentially a director shows up, and he's like, well, "Let me just take all this shit and swap it around, and I have to put my vision in this thing now." And uh, it's got to be really tough. Does that sort of weigh on you guys as writers, or do you guys like the whole process? Like, what is it for you? I think it might have originally it might have weighed on us a little bit more, but I think now we've kind of come to accept it, and it 
always seems to make the the film better. So, mm. I mean, we always check our egos at the door and we're always happy to hear what, what they've you know, got to say. So I think you have to have a really thick skin and be, you know, be ready to kind of get in there and tear, tear apart what you've written and redo it. You know, the, the expression is, you know, kill your, kill your darlings or, or whatever it is where you, you know, you have a really <laughs> great subplot, but it may not work or they may not like it or whatever. So you may have to just get rid of it. Um, you have to be very adaptable in this business and very collaborative, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing that, again, maybe this is just my perception too, is like, like if you're coming to a project with the idea of, of how do you make this project better, which a lot of, you know, the more established and successful filmmakers and producers uh, and directors are, then yeah. that's really cool. But like you said, if you're coming to a project with the idea of like, uh, I just want to just change it for the sake of changing it versus trying to improve upon what's there. You're right. It, it doesn't sometimes, um, well, actually sometimes it does make it better. You just yeah, have to I think about yeah. it. You just never know. Um, yeah. but it, is, it is an interesting collaborative process, uh, that, that we enjoy, doing and we've been very fortunate to collaborate with people that have made our scripts better than what they were originally so well i'm sure that that's a big factor in why you guys have you know 83 percent on rotten tomatoes right that's right you know what i mean like it's you take a lot of it to alex that's right (laughs) (laughs) we joke about this but it's like you know we wrote okay the house floods right Alex had to go out there and figure out how to do that. He had to get in the water and be there with the actors. The actors had to do that. They had to do all the hard work. We just typed up, and now the house floods. <laughs> they had to figure out how we're going to do that. So, um, yeah. and by the way, this is not a plug, but maybe it is. But the special features on that DVD—it is insane. Yeah, it's fun. To, it's fun to it see. It's just so insane because we weren't actually. We it's shot in Serbia, and we didn't get a chance to. Um, be on set but we actually um the to see this how they accomplish some of those set pieces it's just it's fascinating oh dude i can't wait because it seemed like and i'm not giving anything away go watch the movie yeah. guys uh but it seemed like uh that whole like cul-de-sac was a set it seemed like that whole neighborhood felt like a set. it almost felt very rear window to me and that's what i was thinking about the whole time where like hitchcock built that whole street and was doing all that there and that whole portion really felt like a set to me. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but uh, it's, it's a tank. It's a uh, tank. Nice. A set nice. on a tank. They yeah. That was real water it's, and I mean it's just amazing what they what they did uh for this movie. What was the what was the production budget? Did they release what the production budget was on that? I think it's listed as on well, like box office mojo listed what thirteen five. Yeah, I think that's yeah, so I, I think that's I what the I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think that's what it is. That's what they oh. list as. Yeah, so Wow. Yeah, that's, that's what we'll go with. It's <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable that they could pull that off for for that yeah, budget. Yeah. For that budget? That's crazy, man. That's nuts. I mean, it feels like a big, big budget big, big budget movie, you know? You're getting into like, you know, twister territory. You know, I, I say that because there's <laughs> there's high winds in it, but you know. Yeah, no, more. I mean the uh, the storms were it was a, was as much of an 
adversary to these people is the, the alligators and making that work with yeah. all the water and the wind and the rain. It's just unbelievable. But yeah, yeah it was pretty phenomenal. It's ballsy. It's really ballsy. And it, like I said, that's why I, I love the movie because of it. <laughs> I think that, you know, knowing that you guys were like, and hey, the house floods. And then someone in modern day Hollywood was like, let's make this. It's just like, <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, there were, there, were, there were more words than just that, but I'm just saying that <laughs> there are words and they've got to figure out how to take the words, like do, you know, pull that off. So, yeah. It's so cool, man. So cool. So yeah. then, all right. So then you guys get to work with Carpenter. He does the word, yeah. uh, which is like, like, a, like one of those uh, pins in a career that is pretty amazing right. because you get to work with a legend. Yeah. Um, and then you guys started to transition into directing, right? Did you guys get into right. directing after them? Yes. In fact, this is where our paths crossed, right? This is where they first crossed because mm-hmm. we had seen some photos uh, that you had done for, I think the Phoenix with the, uh, the steampunk kind of like metal sort of cool ass stuff. And we'd reached out and, to you and, and your video, your video, yeah, the Meshuggah video is so yeah. cool. Thanks guys. Yeah, wow. that's right. We did. Yeah. You guys met up with me when I was in the, in the right. prime of my photography slash music well, video you craziness. Transition into film too. You'd done cold yeah. art dash and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had done my, uh, my suicide girl, trashy, uh, grindhouse stuff. Yeah. Which... But that's, that's where our paths actually crossed. I think that's kind of planned. It was 10 years ago, if you can believe it. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts, man. Yeah. And then we, uh, we ended up doing a couple things together. You guys had me do some photo work for you for a project. And then we spent the day doing like a little exorcism short thing together. So. Right. Which is funny. Cause I don't know if you remember, but that was initially a three, we, were, we, we sat down, you, 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 Dave Lynch and I, Sat down yes. with three shorts that we were going to do. We were going to do the exorcism one. You had yes. the idea for this, uh, um, well, what became 12 kilometers, right? Oh, that's and, right. That's when I was starting that. Well, when you first pitched that idea. And then Dave had one too. I don't remember what it was. But yeah, so that was when that was first kind of conceived. Oh, right? no, I forgot all about that. Yeah, man, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you guys started getting in and you guys uh, started writing and directing micro-budget uh, feature stuff. At that right. Point, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just to, I mean, what happened was we, at the time that the the ward was getting filmed, I mean, you know, we got into this thing from the very beginning because we just thought it would be fun to go out and shoot a movie. Right. That was the whole point of us writing that first script and, you know, we just hadn't done it yet. And we we're like, Hey, this might be a great opportunity. You know, we have a John Carpenter movie yeah. being made. Maybe we can go out, raise a little bit of money uh, and go out and get a chance to like, just shoot something on our own. Yeah. And so we, we totally took advantage of it. We weren't able to raise as much money as we thought we'd be able to. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly, yeah. But, but I think that we learned so I think by going out and doing it, you learn so much that you could yeah. you could never learn any other way. Um, uh, and it was a lot of fun. So we we did we did two uh, kind of micro budget movies. We did one called Dark Feed that we sold to Lionsgate, mm-hmm. um, and then as we were selling that one to Lionsgate, a friend of ours said, "Hey guys, just so you know." Uh, uh, what you have to do is you have to jump right back into it or you never will do another movie. So we're like, okay, we're going to go do another one. And uh, (laughs) we went and shot uh, the inhabitants even 
at a more micro yeah. budget level. Yeah, just, I mean, it worked out yeah. well. Like, it's kind of funny how it all kind of comes full circle. But the guy, the the pharmaceutical CEO, the the guy that we talked to that did our first film, Long Distance, when we moved back here, he was an investor on that first project. And we were when we were on set shooting that dark shooting dark feed. He was like, you know, I've got this, you know, I live in, you know, I, I have this house. It's like haunted. He just dropped that on us. And I was like, really? Tell me more. <laughs> and so he told us all about this, this uh, um, house that um, he had. And it was like, um, I can't remember what this story was, but it was owned by the, one of the characters that uh, was part of the Salem Witch Trials. I think the um, mm. Samuel Parrish and, um, it, it was, was the house, the house he owned after they moved after, that he moved yeah. into after all the the shit went down in Salem, and he was and he said there was a woman in black that that wandered the halls and um, so we're like hey let's shoot a movie there and that's where, <laughs> where we came up with the idea so that's why we were able to do that one on such a such a tight budget was because we had the house and then we wrote a movie around it which was a smart way to do things if you're going to do a low budget movie have your location. And then figure out your story. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> completely. Like that that first micro budget movie because we were doing it all. I mean, it was just way too ambitious. We had way too we many had, characters. We had so and, many speaking parts. We had like uh, what 20, 25 speaking parts. We had just too you know, much uh, like to manage. Abandoned psychiatric hospital. It was just too <laughs> much. Yeah, yeah, and, and so then. Um, after do, after directing both these pieces, do you guys feel like that's influenced the way you now write scripts? Is it different the way you do it now after directing? I think it's. I think every every film that we've had made has somehow changed how we write, and those last two certainly um, made us tighter, made our style a little tighter and a little. Uh, and I think we started. That's when we kind of started sort of figuring out these divisions of labor that we now have, where Sean we discovered that Sean has a, his strength is really in character and in, um, in um, dialogue. dialogue and mine is more in, um, you know, plotting and structure and all these things. And so that's sort of where that ca- what came out of those two films. We decided those, that's a good way to kind of divide things so that we can get these things done mm. quickly. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's smart. Cause then you guys become efficient. And then I, you know, I only bring that up because I, I love, experience at this point there's something really great after you know directing and doing stuff for about 18 years you just you have this toolbox you have like this go-to box of stuff that you can really rely on um and i actually get really excited when i do a new project because i'm like what do i what do i get to put in this toolbox like what are the what are my new tricks that i have afterwards and and i love having a new idea i love sitting down and concepting something new out and and being able to take that experience and strangely, those moments and, you know, the war that you went to uh, to make those films and the war that you go to when you write these scripts um, create those little those little tools that go in your box, which then become your style subconsciously without you even thinking about it. Um, yeah. And I love that shit. It's it's when I was younger and I was first getting started as a even as a photographer, and, you know, it was like, how do I build my style? You know, when you're younger, you tend to uh, replicate or, or emulate films that you liked, you know? So it's like, I love fucking Fincher. So let me do everything green. And you know what I mean? And you start yeah, going yeah, down, right. <laughs> you start going down into those tangents. Um, and, you know, in that replication, 
Uh, of course, you don't have the same resources, the same shit that, that uh, those filmmakers had. So you accidentally make things. And for me, I'd be in the edit room looking through footage and just go like, well, whoa, whoa, that's weird. What the, What is this? And what is this thing? And then just fo- following that strange path, um, which kind of has led me to where I am right now. And that's why I was asking you guys, because you guys started writing and you guys are working on scripts and like you said sean that you guys wanted to uh, ultimately make movies you made a pretty interesting uh like divergence off that screenplay writing path and and into directing which i assume would like further inform the screenplay process and and that whole thing so it's just it's fascinating to see the path that you guys have taken um and and a successful path, you know. I mean, you know, fucking, you know, crawl posters all over the place. You know I, what I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's funny as you say that. I think uh, I would will say I know, yeah, I know I, I'm no looking more. at Sean, and Sean's got the same look on his face. It's like grinding out those two movies on our own mm-hmm. made us want to go back to writing. That's what we got out of those two movies. Is it's like, oh, writing is so much. Easier and so much more fulfilling. Um, you guys in the room, you don't have to like coordinate schedules, cast, you know, do all this stuff. It's just, it's so much uh, more freeing. So I think that's what those two movies did was they were like, you know what? Maybe we should go back to specking. And that was when we, that's when we said, hey, let's spec uh, this, this alligator movie. Yeah. But, but at the same time, Mike, you know, like, you know, it, it's amazing you know, going through two films from the beginning to actually getting distribution, Mm -hmm. you know, like selling a movie that got distributed by Lionsgate. I mean, that's something that is fairly unusual to, to have happen. Yeah. And so I think we learned a lot about the entire process of filmmaking where when we were just writing, we, we didn't have that insight and yeah um and in a way that's kind of helping us a little bit right. now because now we're well we're kind of doing some, i was gonna say it, yeah. it, it taught us a lot about the business side yeah. of it i mean you had to, you had to kind of learn quickly the business side of it if you're going to try <laughs> to tell the movie that you've made and from there we started to go to festivals which we hadn't been doing up until that point and so um we by going to festivals I'm just going off on a different tangent, but that, that introduced us to festivals. And by going to festivals that opened up this whole meeting, these, all these other filmmakers and kind of opened this network that we now have of people that we, you know, we are trying to collaborate with and all this stuff that we didn't have open to us until we did those movies. And um, we can even talk about that later, later, but um, these our last two projects, current projects are, are shorts that we found at these festivals and have brought into our managers and then gotten set up as films, as features with one with us to write and the other with us to produce. And so, uh, so in a, in a long winding way, <laughs> um, <laughs> the movies introduced us to the festivals, which introduced us to these filmmakers, which introduced us to these shorts, which is where we are now. <laughs> well, and, and back to what he was saying too. I mean, filmmaking, there is a business aspect to filmmaking that you have to understand. You have to yeah. understand um, that. And I think that, that we learned a lot from making yeah. those two movies, for sure. 
Well, and it's interesting because this is something else that I was going to get into. Um, writing is difficult to begin with, you know, and, and having a great idea and putting a great idea down on the page. And I think a lot of young writers are rightfully so obsessed with that. How do I take this idea? How do I write something that I like? How do I write something that someone can read? I mean, just writing something that is a fast read in itself, it takes years and years and years of practice. Um, and then... After you get great at that, you then are introduced to the business and then you're introduced (laughs) into like, how do I write a script that an exec is going to read? And then how do I pitch a script that an exec is going to be interested in? And, And then being a writer is very similar to being an actor almost where you have to find a way to partner yourself up or pair yourself up with talented filmmakers, talented directors at that point, because you need to package that with the script. You know, unless the script goes out cold. And recently I was just, you know, because my guys will send me scripts to read um, that are just out in the market. And what did I just read? I just read that new one that uh, I'm not going to give anything away. I just read that new one that Eli Roth's company just acquired. Oh, Um, 1031? Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Um, (laughs) But I, I did read that. And it's fascinating when a script is sort of acquired by a production company and then the production company basically cattle calls and directors at that point. And then you, uh, you have some sort of vision for it. You put together some sort of like lookbook for it and you go out there and do it. Um, and I kind of like partnering up with writers beforehand because it's, there's something really nice about that. Like going into either your managers, your agents, or even to production companies and you're out there trying to get it put together. There's something really nice about saying like, look, this is a script that I like. This is a, a, a writing team that I like to work with. Um, let's let's move on past that. <laughs> let's go to the next step, which is like, okay, how do we get talent attached and how do we get money attached to this thing? So I think it's smart. I think you guys doing the, the festival thing and going out there and finding talent as far as young directors go is incredibly smart because it's basically putting one foot ahead uh, – amongst all the others uh, to get the fucking thing done, to get the thing produced. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like we're saying, this is a collaborative uh, medium and we want to work with people who inspire us and that, you know, that the both of us can make, make each other better and make our projects better. So it's exciting. I think that's anyway, that's what we're really excited about is just, the chance to collaborate with um, we've obviously collaborated with uh, three legendary filmmakers in yeah. Sam Raimi, Aja and, and Carpenter and getting a chance to maybe collaborate with some younger filmmakers along with continuing yeah. to collaborate with established filmmakers. There's nothing more exciting to us than doing something like that. And by the way, like uh, the, the, writer that you're working with is it is it will i think i read one of his early scripts man that guy is a talented guy that's a good guy to be working with yeah i think he's he's fantastic i was very fortunate i was a very fortunate find um yeah he's really good man he he came up to the blacklist i think is where it started for him i think he was a blacklist winner yeah i think i read i think i read one of his i think it was scripts and murder city i think I'm such an asshole. He's going to be like, Mike, you don't know the fucking script name. Yeah, no. It's, 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 yeah, Murder City. Murder City, it was, yeah. yeah. Murder City, it was a great script. Yeah, it was a really great script. And then um, 
He's been doing really great, man. Like, uh, he just wrote for Paramount. He wrote a big picture for Paramount. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what it is. Um, but he just did like a big Hollywood script for those guys, which is cool. And then, um, he's really good. It's, it's been an interesting learning experience for me because, uh, I spent so much time, uh, just learning the craft of directing and the the shit that I write or that I have written has been out of necessity because I need something. So you sort of sit there and you're like fumble your way through it. And then most of my movies I'm, I'm writing in the edit room, um, so it was interesting teaming up with with an, with someone that was just focused on writing and the craft of writing, and the stuff that I really picked up from him uh, was f- interesting to me. The, the the stuff that was the most interesting to me was like how he how he would prep, like if he sends a script out to you know an exec, how he would write the email that prepped it, and it was oh, like really? oh. it was like. Oh, that's interesting. And, and and like, or if he does rewrites, how he preps the scripts, the, the emails that go off for that. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay, that's nice. That's smart. You know, and, and it it's that combination of art and business. Like he's very talented at uh, writing and he's very talented at bringing a story together. Um, and our work process so far has been, uh, we get really deep. I'm really involved with the, with the concept and with the structure Um and uh, with some of the character arc stuff, uh, and he just cements it all together, and he does a great job with dialogue, and he locks himself in a room and does this stuff pretty quick, um, which is great. But I really learned how to work the business, I think, with my time with Will, which has been fucking fascinating. And even down to pitches. And you guys go in and you guys do a lot of pitching as well, right? Like you guys go in and pitch ideas. Um, yeah. We should, <laughs> <laughs> we should get into some of that because it's 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 really fucking fascinating. I've done now probably three different big pitch runs uh, yeah. with with projects, and each time I've learned something new. and And you guys are a duo too, which is interesting because every time that we go in to do pitching on an idea, uh, it's usually the two of us. How do you guys run your pitch sessions? Do you guys both talk through the thing or do you guys or just one of you just slam the guy with the ideas? Well, usually um, I'll, usually I sort of lead it and then Sean um, uh, sort of keeps track of <laughs> whether I missed something or, or not. But I it just gets confusing. I've seen others where they're like so-and-so takes it and then, then but I, I find that it's like if the person has to shift focus from one person telling the story to another person, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know if Sean feels differently, but it's like yeah. if one person takes it, then the other person kind of chimes in like, oh, yeah, and then we're going to do this and this and this happens and stuff. It's easier for the person who's being pitched to to kind of focus on the primary person and not yeah. have a shift all the time. Yeah, we yeah. so Michael usually is the primary and then whether we're, I mean, there are situations where we're pitching with, uh, with directors. Um, and so there's, so anyway, so Michael's the primary, but then, then I'll, I'll take a little bit yeah. and maybe the director will take a little bit, but, um, but we aren't like performance <laughs> pitchers. Like some people yeah, go in and they're like really. more performance performers than yeah. like talking a uh, story and vision. Uh, when we pitch, it's really mostly about the story. And if there's a director there, 
there's a vision take yeah, on it as well. Is, um, yeah. So, but it is really interesting. Yeah, because yeah. we've done a bit of both. We've done, uh, I guess you would say it's kind of performance where we've we've actually <laughs> we, we 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 we've practiced. You know what I mean? So yeah. like we've done the whole like I'll take this sequence, you take that sequence, blah 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 boom. And uh, we did that a bunch for 12KM, which uh, was great. 12KM was a more difficult thing to pitch because we're tr- setting up rules. It was, it's difficult for an exec to sort of grasp because it's not a fucking werewolf. You know what I mean? It's not a, yeah. you know, it's not a, you can't just go in there and go, okay, so think vampire. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right. there's this airborne. There's a short though, right? There's a what? short. So there's a vision. So that's kind of cool. There's the vision and the vision gets you in the room. The vision... Yeah. A hundred percent. Like my, my dude sending that around. Um, and they just, they were really slick about it. They just sent out an email and they're like, put on headphones and shut off the lights and watch this. <laughs> um, which was yeah. really cool. Uh, and then, you know, I, the added element of surprise that I wasn't a Russian guy. <laughs> right. Right. It's, right. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really added to that. Um, but then we had like, you know, our initial draft, for the feature was pretty sciencey because you know we're, we're really adding science into it and then how science is affecting the subconscious and i don't want to i don't i'm not going to give it any way but um it was pretty intense and so the first couple pitch sessions we did were like how do we get through this and i had made a whole like laminated document with diagrams and all this really pretty material like this really great material but it was very heady and very story structure um and we were going through and uh, we were losing people. We were losing a lot of the people in the pitch because they were just looking for, they were looking for something familiar to grasp to. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, got it. Okay, so this is where, you know, it's a fucking werewolf. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're just looking for that pivot point. And uh, luckily with me, we ended up going with who we did. Um, honestly, they loved the story. They loved the short. Um, but I think it was my head injury story that really caught those guys. Uh, and we really connected because the producer that I was talking to also went through like a really severe life-threatening event. And I think uh, <clears throat> going down that rabbit hole together is what brought us together. And then we sort of worked on the script after that. Um, but since then, we've been learning some pretty hard lessons. And within the past week, because I was just pitching yesterday, man, uh, something else, um, and uh, I'm finding now that most execs don't even, I try so hard, I don't know if you guys are the same way, but I try so hard to come up with some really cool new idea. And being a moviegoer, I always get really fucking bored with the tropes, especially in our genre, where it's just like, okay, so he's an alcoholic, he beats his kids, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you start to see these things over and over again and you're like, okay, fuck and so in my mind, I'm always starting from like, how do I come up with something rad? Like, what's a cool new take? What's a cool new idea? Like you guys, you know, hurricanes and, and alligators. I'm fucking rad. You know, like and a home right. invasion movie with alligator, you know, really yeah. great twist. Um, but I've been finding that uh, even then, uh, if I'm too heavy on plot and too heavy on what the story is at front, in the front of the whole thing... They're just sort of like, that could be cool. Maybe you should develop it some. And, and yesterday I tried something new, which was I went in there with character first and literally just walked in the room and said, here's the main character. Here's the here's what they're going through. Um, 
this is why they're interesting. And then the person was sort of leaning forward in their chair going, oh, cool. I love that kind of anti-hero. And I go, okay, cool. And here's the scenario. And it, it went much better. I think the pitch I did yesterday was probably the better pitch that I've done in the yeah. past couple of years because I've just slowly been coming around to realizing that they seem to give a fuck more about how who's the, I hate this term, who's the relatable character? How's it fucking relatable to everybody? And then what is the scenario? Do you guys find that that's the same situation or it's a different view? Yeah, I think, I think it's really important when you're pitching that you not only are able to kind of set the table before you kind of give the story, but they, you really have thought through the characters and what their journey as well is because it's not just, yeah, it's not just the plot. It is the character journeys that are really important in, in telling that story. So yeah, we do, yeah. we do think of those three things as we're going in sort of like a high level setting the stage and then the story along with the, the character yeah. arcs are very important, I think. Mm. And, don't, and, and, and we don't get caught up in like beat by beat by beat. We try to kind of just sort of make it flow. Like, like we're telling like, you know, like if I were telling you I saw this movie last night. Yeah. Uh, and I was trying to explain to you what it was about or what it was in or what was, what was in it. That's how you want to kind of tell it. You don't want to be like, okay, and then, <laughs> and then he goes into the the bedroom and then this happens and then this happens because then it starts to feel like a laundry list and then you start to feel like you're kind of just relaying and i i think people check out at that point for sure yeah totally man we learned that really early on um yeah because you you have to be able to just like you said tell like a movie that you saw the, the night before you have to be able to just sort of let it roll off your tongue like this is what was really great about this movie like nicholas cage fucking grabs a chainsaw and, and right. his 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 <laughs> yeah yeah you know i mean i remember reading the log line for that movie and just going fuck <laughs> like i want to see this movie um and it's it's hard to do that and this this sort of uh falls in that category that i was talking about before that i think is uh Further than just being able to write a good screenplay, further than being able to do good story structure, you have to have the ability to read a room. You have to have the ability to be social to a certain extent and to uh, figure out a way to connect with uh, people that are basically blind date, like setting up a blind date with you. You know what I mean? Whenever you go do these general, like, have you guys done general meetings as well? Have you guys done that? Yeah, we yeah we did that the very That's first time we went out. Two years to, uh, was all generals. And, um, yeah, it's like a weird it's like a weird fucking blind date setup. You know what I mean? Especially, <laughs> yeah. Especially when you walk in a room and the person like really hasn't like he's like, this has been on my schedule, but I didn't even read what it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you walk in there and he's like, uh, Mike, Mike, right? Yeah, you're Mike. Yeah, I'm like, oh, here we go, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool though because then you can that gives you guys something to talk about right if they haven't done their research on you you can be like well here's let me tell you a little here's about ourselves about yeah. us you know so it kind of gives you a, a jumping off point um, yeah because it by the way it is like it is crazy like um i think one thing that we try really hard to think about is like what it must be like on the other side yeah. so like imagine like if your day was like taking 20 meetings with oh yeah that would be that would be exhausting i think yeah you know Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of like being up and 
and interested having the same in, energy at that, having that last energy, one as you have at the first one. I mean, I, I think it would be it would be a challenge. Certainly, <laughs> it's like casting at that point. I, I I feel the same way whenever I do a casting session, and whenever I have an actor come in um, to read, and we've done commercial casting sessions with like a hundred and change people and after you've seen what like 25 people you don't even fucking know anymore it's like you're videotaping these right and he's like yeah am i good because i right i have i have no idea but i always feel incredibly bad for for actors because they're sort of putting all that weight on walking in that room and it's like i you know this is a this could be the role that breaks me and so uh what i try to do whenever i'm doing a casting session is I always tell uh, actors that I know, like the the physical act that you're there, the ability that you have to be there to practice doing that is worth its time. And I always let talent roll through whatever they're going to do multiple times and just give it, give me another one. Just because the, you know, the least I can do is actually let you figure this out. You know what I mean? Because you're probably not going to get the fucking part because we're we're literally looking for this and you're not that but you've come all the way down here um and it's got to be the same thing uh being an exec with with uh these writers and directors and creatives that are coming in and out of there um it must feel the same fucking way it's a good point you know yeah wow. but by the way but it is something that as you do more of as you do more of it you you get to feel a little bit more comfortable yeah. about it and it it really is just going in and talking movies at the end of the day, which is kind of fun. Yeah. It think. is cool. Cause it everybody, is... in, everybody in the room loves, loves movies. That's why, that's why we we're hope, all hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we're all there is that, yeah, that this is what we are passionate about. And so it's, it's kind of fun. It's wacky too, right? I mean, you, you guys are working in Boston. I worked in Boston for years. And does it feel like when you're working on a script, you're sort of like locked in your own little cave and you guys are hashing this thing out, right? Is it that vibe? Yes. It yes. Does. <laughs> yes. Very, very. Um, <laughs> good. I, mean, that, I think that that's, that's a good thing. I mean, I think if we were in LA trying to do that, I mean, there would be the temptation to go down to the coffee bean and then you might meet up with somebody. I mean, just, Go get a taco. It was our favorite taco joint. Uh, Takaya. Go to Takaya, get a margarita. Yeah. <laughs> but the cool thing here is it's starting to get cold. It's time to time to kind of hibernate and start to write. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's kind of good to be sort of away from that. And then when we have something to go out there and. Uh, yeah. Know. Cause that's I mean, my point is, is that you get to come out of that cave and you get to experience, you know, Hollywood and Hollywood's yeah. weird. It's weird. I mean, just walking in some of these offices and seeing how people do things, you're just like, what the fuck? Like, what? weird. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> you guys are weird, but I like it. <laughs> um, so it's, where are we at right now? Let's check. Oh, we're doing good. We're about an hour. Excellent. Um, so it's, I, I, I got to say, guys, I've always been very inspired by what it is that you, you guys do. I'm always like really proud of the stuff that you guys do. Um, and I think that... Um, you guys are a really great example of how to do things the right way. You've always been very collaborative. You guys have always been very friendly and very polite. Um, and I admire that, especially in our business. I think that's a wonderful thing that you guys do that. 
Thank you. Thank and, you. We try. We try. <laughs> but at the same time, Mike, I mean, same back to you. We've always yeah. been inspired by the stuff that you're working on. And, dude, you, you're you making great visual stories. And uh, we're excited for you being out in L.A. And we can't wait yeah. to see your first uh, feature. I think it's going to be phenomenal. Thanks, man. Thanks. We're working hard to try to make it happen. And then, uh, you know, someday we should do something. I'll yeah. say that I'll say that on air. someday we should we should do we should do a team up, uh, put something yeah. together. Um, that yeah, that'd be fun, man. But uh, so let me see. Let me check my list here to make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, I just want to make sure we've covered a bunch of good stuff. I think we're getting some good insight into like what writing is really like, and I mean ultimately that's what this show is all about. Is that you know we all have romantic notions. We have romantic notions of what directing's like. I mean, everybody wants to be a fucking director today. Uh, and you, you don't realize how, how much it sucks. <laughs> it really does. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah, it really does. There are those like hot moments, you know what I mean? Where it's like, whoa, cool. He's like, you know, on that behind the scenes thing. And it looks pretty interesting. It looks pretty like pretty great. They're not there while you're like pulling your hair out and like loading the handguns and putting them in a pillowcase and choosing one to shoot right. yourself with, you know? Um, but... Is there anything that you guys would want to tell, or is there anything that you guys would want to have known back when you guys started uh, from writers that are in the position that you're in now? Is there a bit of wisdom that you wish you had? Um, I always tell every, every writer I meet, I always tell them to read as many scripts as you can possibly. When I start, when Sean and I, when we were first starting out, the, you know, they weren't as available as they are now because the web's just made everything kind of this great you know, leveler of mm -hmm. find, you can find anything. And so just reading specs, reading specs that have sold specs that haven't sold, I think are really helpful. Cause even like we talked about, like our, our styles changed. I mean, the way we wrote 10 years ago is very different than we are, than we write now because yeah. the styles in Hollywood changing scripts are getting shorter. They're getting very, con very concise. Mm-hmm. So by reading scripts, you're seeing what's what other writers are kind of doing, and you're learning. You can learn a little, pick up little tricks here and there. That's the best thing I could suggest. Yeah, and and also by reading these scripts, you you have a target of like, hey, that's what I want my script. I want my script to be as good as these scripts are that I'm reading. Because I think yeah. when you just start out, you're not quite sure where you are in terms of skill level mm -hmm. and it, it takes a while to get i mean maybe not there are some people that uh uh are able to just right you know, like gate, yeah. you know right out of the gate come up with something <laughs> brilliant but most likely you're gonna have to write five or ten scripts to get to the level where your scripts are at the level of the things that are being Yep. being bought and that are making like the list, the blacklists or the bloodlists or the Nichols yeah. fellowship sort yep. of yeah. things. You should read those and see where you're yeah. at before you start to ask. Yeah. And I think you just hit on another one too, is just write, write, write. Like don't just write that one script and then this is the one I got to go get out and get it made. <laughs> you know, write Once you write the first one, put it in a drawer. I think I don't remember who it was who, recommend this it's a famous screenwriter so i'm not take i'm not going to take credit for it somebody else said this but you write that first draft put it in a drawer write another script 
put it in a drawer, write a third script, put it in the drawer, go back to that first one and start to rewrite that first one. So you just keep, you know, it takes that long, you know, takes you to like three scripts to kind of go back to that next. There's enough time between that first one that when you start to rewrite it, it's all kind of fresh to you. Yeah. So um, just, you know, write and write and write and read and yeah. read and read. It wasn't Boyer. It was the, it was uh, the guy that wrote fight club, but I can't remember his name. Jim Olds. Uh, yeah. Um, it's it's good advice. I mean, because at that point, what you're you're getting perspective, you're forcing yourself to get perspective, which is always really difficult to do, especially if you're very attached yeah. to whatever it is that you're working on. And and then um, I always find that it, whenever I walk away, or if I'm doing multiple things at the same time, if I'm doing multiple projects at the same time, it's easier um, because this is the long. It's the long fucking haul. Like no matter what, everything needs to brew and and simmer for years. You know what I mean? Like it'll yeah. take you know fucking ten years to get some scripts made and a movie made yeah. or movie yeah. greenlit. Um, and so being in that mindset where you're just banking on one, it's just like you're gonna be miserable, man. Like it's, it's, that's that's not gonna be the one that 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 kicks for you. You know, it's it's gonna be this weird thing. It's this weird thing that you weren't even thinking about. It's some like half-assed idea that you are like, wow, wait a minute, this would be a cool idea. And then you get on that path and the next thing you know, you're making a movie that you didn't even think you'd be making. So I I, yeah. I, I think that's great advice, man, because perspective. Perspective is one of the most important things to have in our business, I think. And one thing I was going to say is like the whole reading thing that we were just talking about. I think mm -hmm. that's important, not just for the writers, but especially if you're going to be in this business. I think it's something that directors and producers, I mean, the base of most movies are screenplays. So just kind of having that knowledge of what's out there and what's good and it, it's important, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's important to kind of understand a story at a screenplay level, whether you're you know, you just want to be a screen writer or if you want to direct or produce yeah. as well, I think it's really important. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I, I think Mike, you and I talked about it, but uh, my whole system's changed. Like uh, since I've moved out here, my day to day is a lot different now that I'm not, you know, running a production company and dealing with the commercial stuff all the time. And that isn't in the forefront um, day to day. Like I wake up and I read, I've got like a stack of graphic novels that are sitting on a desk that I got to get through. And I've got two, two books that I'm reading at the same time. Um, it's, it's important. And my, honestly, my management told me that cause I, I came out here and I'm like, okay, so I'm transplanting myself to a new fucking place. I'm starting all new, all fresh. I'm starting a new company, a whole ordeal. Like, what is my day to day? Like, what should I be doing? You know, because yeah. we're ultimately sort of sit, like sitting around waiting for shit to fucking happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so <laughs> we all we all know that. Yeah, dude. Like it's I mean, like that that level of patience, that level of uh, that's a whole other conversation. The up and down, the hot and cold, like shit's awesome, shit's not. You know, and it, it's like I always say it's, <laughs> it's I always say it's like you've asked a supermodel out and she's just very indecisive. 
<laughs> like so one day she's like, yeah, let's go out th- like Tuesday. Yeah, we'll go out together. You're like, fuck yes. You get dressed, you're ready to go out. You're going to hang out with the hottest girl you've ever met before. And then you get that phone call on Wednesday. She's like, no, I'm kind of busy now and it's not going to happen. And you're just like, fuck. <laughs> I spent all this money on this new clothes. <laughs> I told all my friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's like this bipolar, crazy depression shit that you end up going through. Um, and so I asked my dudes, I was like, you know, what do I do? You know, like what, uh, what, what is my day to day? And they were very upfront about it. They're like, you got to read. You got to read a lot, you know, go through periodicals, read articles, read shit. And, and they're really smart about it. They're like, as a because it's tough as a director that's not writing his own material. It's, it's twice as hard because these days the budgets are so small and everybody doesn't want to do any legwork. Like you, we've thrown this term around on this show a bunch right now, spec. And spec is essentially meaning that you fucking write the whole script and you don't get paid until someone buys it. And that's what spec okay. is. Yeah. And the and that's not always the way it's been in the industry. Before you would you can go in and sell it on a pitch, walk into a room and sell an idea, and they're like, "Let's develop this together." Handshake, you know, and then maybe some money gets tossed around, and then then you guys start writing, you know. And so it's a, a whole different scenario. And and being a director that doesn't write his own material, it gets even tougher because then uh, it's like one other degree of separation from the project being simply packaged and easily sold. Uh, and my dudes were just like, you got to fucking read. You got to read a lot of shit, look for stuff, look for ideas, look for any reason for us to go back in the room. Um, and that's kind of what the day to day has been. And uh, I don't know. So you guys is a little bit different, right? So you guys are constantly reading and looking for new ideas and then developing new ideas. Is that what your day to day is like? Yeah, I mean, it's split evenly between that and then writing original material. But uh, we are always, you know, we always have our kind of ear to the ear to the ground, <laughs> yeah. trying to hear like, you know, shorts again. We're, I mean, we, we're checking out a lot of shorts and we're reading a lot of stuff. And we're just trying to see, you know, kind of try to hear what, you know, who's the hot new talent coming out of these festivals? Who's the, who's the you know, what's the you know, what's the hot new article, what's the hot new podcast, you know, all these <laughs> kind of be up on everything and you never know what is going to be, what's going to hit. Right. Yeah. You don't, yeah, you don't really know. I think, I think it's important that again, you're, a, we're coming at it from like a, a creative story point of view. I mean, we're, we're trying to create uh, our own stories, but we're also trying to see if, you know, we're, you know, going out for assignments where, yeah. um, you know, there's just a lot to do. I think for us, the trick is just making sure that we're focused day to day on doing what's most important. And sometimes right. it's hard to have that perspective because there's so many things that you yeah. could be uh, working on. Um, yeah. But, ha- well, that's interesting too, because then, then we're talking about like, uh, you know, time management, right? Yep. Because yep. the the days just fucking disappear. Um, they do. Yep. And the, and then so how do how do you guys do you guys have a system in place that you're deciding what the most important avenue is? And 
I assume that whatever is the most important thing is constantly fluctuating dependent upon. Yes, that's just it. Like we'll have a to-do list and it will be by midday, it will be completely fucked. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're that organized. No, so no. But it's like we get an email like, oh, hey, so-and-so needs to meet today instead of tomorrow. And then you're like, oh, but we were going to do, oh, okay. got to adjust, got to move it around. So it's it's hard, you know, it's yeah. hard to, uh, to yeah. do that. Stuff. But we start with the to-do list, you know, yeah. Uh, and I think, and, I think week to week we're like, Hey, so what is the most important yeah. stuff we should be working on this week? Right. And you what, kinda, did, what did we do last? What did, <laughs> we did, do a, yeah, we sort of do a postmortem on last week. How much um, we do? <laughs> and then, um, but, but yeah. yeah, I think that, um, I was just reading something recently. I think it was, uh, Michael J. Fox was, I don't know, writing some inspirational sort of like if he had to do it over again is that you just have to to try to accomplish little things and eventually those little things will become bigger things. So, um, but yeah, you have to have a perspective each week of what is most important, what do you prioritize and then, and then try to try to work on that through the week and then see how you did. Yeah. Uh, um, at that, the end of the week, for sure. That's that's the that's the smart business side of you in there coming out right there, Sean. That's what that is. <laughs> I don't know about smart business, but it is it is great. <laughs> we thought we thought we had kind of a, a leg up because we both came from corporate backgrounds, um, but lately I don't feel like that's. <laughs> no, I don't think it's helping. Um, but it did initially, but uh, I don't think it's really giving us much advantage now. Yeah, <laughs> and again, I, I think we just feel. The other thing that I think we mentioned before is we just really are trying to enjoy crawl. Yeah. I mean, we are so lucky at what happened in terms of we yeah. are so proud of the movie. We we're so proud of its yeah. success and we want to. That may be the highlight. So may, we want to, you know, <laughs> enjoy you know, wanna, it. Don't want to be looking back and go, damn, I wish we had spent some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, could, we could be like, you know, like working 24-7 saying we got to get the next thing going, but at some point you just have to say, Hey man, this is pretty good. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty, <awful. laughs> that is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. And then, and then maybe in six months we'll be in desperation mode going, Oh, sh- oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> Dude, I, we're, we're always going to be in desperation of going, Oh shit. You know what I mean? It always, totally. it yep. always resets back to zero. You know, so you're it does. just like it does. it does. No matter how much success you have, <laughs> <laughs> but it's smart to be enjoying it. It took me fucking years to get my because I was always in that mindset of like I gotta be. You can't really think about okay, it's great, cool, awesome, but what's next? What the fuck am I doing? Boom, 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 boom. And then uh, you know, honestly, <laughs> honestly, it's like you start climbing over forty, and you're just like, this anxiety is killing me. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> You can't, you know what, this is like, so, so I'm going to throw out some cliches here, but I believe strongly in these cliches. Okay. Stay in your lane. Be proud of what you've accomplished. Cause like Mike, for example, like the stuff that you've done is so fucking cool. Um, yeah. Thanks. Be proud of that. And don't, don't judge it towards like, it's like, so easy to it's do so easy there. to be like, Hey, Compare what is yourself every... to somebody else? That's, yeah. Like, you know, Oh what? damn, that guy just got a deal announced and you're like, Oh, oh wait a yeah. So, you know, like so keep your, yeah, just keep blinders your on. 
yeah, just keep your bearings. And then the other thing is just the paths are so different in this business. The paths to success are so different that there really is yeah. no, you never know what there gonna, is no formula what's there gonna get you there. So, you know what I mean? Um, mm, mm. And that's, that's something that we think about all the times is just like, I mean, really like I'm looking at our, our poster for long distance. I mean, I'm super proud of that first movie and I still go back. I still think back to being at Tribeca and just how proud that moment was. And that, that could have been good. That could have been good enough, you know? So it's sort of like, you know, just enjoy the process, enjoy what you accomplish and don't compare it to, Enjoy uh, the process. Else. I like what you do. Oh, there. enjoy <laughs> the process. <laughs> nice, dude. Look, it's like you guys are writers. Right it's like you, it's like, <laughs> you got to be in love with the process. Be really in love with the process. That's the number one thing. All right, all right, all right. It's good. I appreciate it, fellas. I, was, I like I said, I, I'm. I just want to say we should probably wrap it up. Um, okay. It's been great to have you on the show. Um, and like, I'm, I'm very happy to know the both of you. I'm very happy to, uh, um, to be in, just to see the work and see how it plays out. I mean, I was incredibly excited when you guys got to work with John Carpenter, who's a fucking legend. Um, and then the way things are playing off you guys right now is fantastic. And this won't be the high watermark for you dudes. Just, there'll be more, there'll be more stuff that comes down the pike because of your attitude and because of the way you guys approach it. And I think that's really important. I think in the long run, it's one thing I, I've talked about it before. One thing I learned when I got to hang out with uh, uh, the Farley brothers, um, and you know, these guys went from doing like something about Mary to doing movies that were less than you know less than accepted or less than exciting to Peter winning an Academy Award. You know yeah, I mean? how amazing is that? Uh, and just being on their sets and seeing their attitude and how they interact with their crew and how they interact with people. Um, they're really, Peter is a, a solid human being. Like he's a real gentle person, a real gentle soul. And um, just my limited amount of time being around those guys, I learned so fucking much. And I, at the end of the day, I think as humans, it comes down to attitude. And I think, uh, you know, if you're a good person and uh, you're talented, but if you're a good person, uh, the shit will come for you. And you guys are good are good dudes. So oh, cool. Thanks. Thank Pete. you. Yeah. Well yeah. Back at you. Back yeah. at you. <laughs> next time we're uh, out in LA or next time you're back in Boston, just more beers and more hanging. Yeah. That's it. That's it, man. You guys are gonna have to come hang out. We got a sweet new spot. I got you know, I got my smoker and my barbecue shit going. <laughs> so it's gonna be Dude, good, man. Booty. Dude, totally. <laughs> All right, all right. This is a we're just gonna have like a kiss fest for the next twenty oh, minutes. Know, unless, yeah. unless, unless well, you're great. This. No, you're great. People listening to this are like, wow. you're the greatest. <laughs>hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as i did uh i'm actually sitting here wrapping everything up it's it's dark 
Um, but I had so much fun uh, laughing with these guys. And really, I'm proud to say that that is our first writing episode because I think we really gave you guys some good stuff in there, man. Mm. I wish I had some of that stuff early in my career. Um, but I hope you guys have enjoyed the episode. And as always, I want to thank you for supporting the show. And if you like this episode, take any of the graphics that I have, the thumbnails, any of that stuff, and repost it. Tell other screenplay writers about this show uh, because I think it's really important to learn from working screenplay writers, from people that are actually in the industry. And these guys are giving some good tips. So if you know screenplay writers and you think they'll love it, send it over to them. Uh, if you're a part of any sort of screenplay forums, post it in those forums for me, please. Let's get more people listening to the show. That's more people contributing. Um, and uh, the show will get bigger and better for you guys, I promise. Um, and you know, I really appreciate you guys following me on Instagram. And Instagram has been such a great place for uh, finding talent. It's actually where I get a lot of the guests on the show because I can reach out to people and uh, skip past the middleman aka agents of management and get people on the show and you know i think i should do i'm going to start a new segment on here where i give shout outs to accounts on instagram that i really enjoy and i think you guys should go check out because uh, i either find them inspiring or i find some really good connects um and besides at mike petchy and besides at in love with the process pod um i highly suggest you go check out uh, cinematography salon um, that's Cinematography, S-A-L-O-N, Cinematography Salon. And that's run by David Cruda. Uh, he is the guy that curates the thing. And he puts together uh, really great posts from cinematographers. And they study uh, three frames a piece from the newest projects. And it's a really great account. It's a really beautiful account. Um, and it's very inspiring to check out. So definitely go check that out. Um, and I'm really excited to be partnered up with the dudes over at Film Up. Um, that's F-I-L-M-U-P dot co. So filmup.co on Instagram. Uh, they're building this really strong community uh, of filmmakers and filmmaker resources. So like if you're looking to team up with crews, if you're looking to team up uh, with other creatives, uh, this is a great spot for that. And they do some really fantastic posts. So like, uh, posts about new gear, posts about uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, really great dudes. And um, I'm going to start writing articles uh, for their website. So I'll be contributing to those guys as well. So on Instagram, check them out. That's filmup.co. So that's today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I'm really excited at the uh, lineup that we're setting up for this second season. It's not all confirmed yet, but I'm telling you, it's going to get cool. It's going to get weird, man. <laughs> I can't wait for you guys to hear the stuff that's coming out. And like I said, I'm going to try to do it every week. So keep your eyes and ears out for Tuesdays. Tuesday will be our release. Um, so that's it. Enough rambling on the show. I thought I'd leave you with something special. A uh, buddy of mine, my, my good friend Alex Johnson, likes to uh, leave me voicemails about upcoming movies. Uh, and I thought you guys might dig it, so check it out. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. Hey, man. I was thinking about seeing that new Todd Phillips movie about the uh, lonely man with a strange sense of humor. When I go to the movies, I'm looking for an escape, you know? <laughs> <laughs>